I'm Tyler Curtis Southard, and this is the Weekly Podcast. Maine is well known for its seafood, and the unique geography of the state's coastline makes it the perfect location to harvest a particular delicacy, the oyster. Today I talk with one woman who comes from a family of lobstermen, an industry that she has also followed into, along with recently starting her own oyster operation, Aphrodite Oysters. I'm pleased to introduce Krista Tripp. Thank you so much for joining us, Krista. I know uh, you kind of packed this in today. You were just on the water uh, just a few minutes ago, right? Yep, I was. Yeah, it was a beautiful day out there. It was like 80 degrees, flat calm. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, here on land, we're in the middle of a heat wave right now. So it was about 90, 95, something like that. So we're baking. So I'm sure it's not a bad day to be out on the water. No, no, not at all. It was perfect. So start off by just telling us about yourself, uh, where you grew up education, other jobs you have, and kind of like what led you uh, into the marine life? Um, So I grew up down in Spruce Head, uh, Spruce Head Island specifically. Um, That's kind of a part of South Homiston. My grandfather, uncle, dad were lobstermen. Um, So I basically grew up on the back of boats and at the docks and was always fishing and... um, you know, just always really loved the water. Um, so, I mean, I, I, uh, naturally, um, started fishing with my dad at like eight, I think. I mean, like as most kids do. Like a stern woman or just, you know, whatever you could help out with. Yeah. Just helping out baiting bags and baiting lobsters. I mean, most kids do when their parents, you know, are lobstermen. So, I mean, that wasn't kind of out of the norm, but I was definitely a minority um, because I was a girl. But yeah, I just, I absolutely loved it. And You didn't mind the smell of the bait fish when you're stuffing in the bags on the hot summer days? (laughs) No, no, I didn't mind it. I just, I loved being on the water and seeing what come up in the traps and loved being out in the, you know, the weather and the elements. I, I always thought it was just really fun. So fishing is a lobstering a family affair for you guys. Yes, definitely. Um, my aunt uh, went stern man with my grandfather um, for many, many, many years, and my first stern man job was actually with my grandfather as well. Great. Um, I was about thirteen then. So, when you're up there fishing, did you ever imagine this is something that you're going to be doing? as a job someday or did you find that that kind of interest in it? Um yeah, I I definitely saw myself doing this. Um I really loved school though. I felt um education was important. Um but I could totally always see myself working on the water. Um I did take some college and marine biology was like my favorite uh course. Yeah. Um, but I eventually, you know, was like, am I wasting my time, you know, going to college and spending all this money? And, you know, when I know that my life is, you know, going to be on the water. Um, so I, you know, decided to put all my energy into, mm-hmm. into fishing and, um, just doing what I love to do. 
And that's something that sounds pretty common around here. You know, growing up in this area, you have a lot of people that, you know, are lobstering and you probably knew a lot of people and had a lot of friends that were your age that had to make that same decision if they wanted to go in a different direction or, or, or fish and lobster, which, you know, is a, a great way to make a living. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are faced with that decision. And, you know, a lot of my friends went off to college. So I was kind of in a, you know, hard predicament. I was kind of like 50-50, wanted to stay here, um, wanted to leave. Um, But what I ended up doing is going to just a college here locally and then fishing so that I could continue to fish. So you have your own boat and your own crew now? I do, yeah. How is that yeah. aspect of trying to like be a boss and you know take care of the your equipment and all that on top of the fishing? Um, it, it's really fun. I have a a really awesome uh, stern woman. She, um, I call her my stern ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> she has stern ma'am right on her license plate. Great, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and she absolutely loves it, and it's really fun for her. She loves to learn, so it's fun for me to teach. And just see someone else have that same kind of compassion for working on the water as I did. And what's the name of your boat? Shearwater. Where'd that come from? That is actually my grandfather's boat, which oh. is kind of a funny story. Yeah, he um, he he named that boat after an ocean bird, actually. It was his favorite ocean bird. Um, and he passed away like five years ago, maybe six now. Um, but I had the opportunity to buy his boat and I jumped on it. Um, so it was kind of cool to have, um, his boat and just kind of keep it in the family. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of memories and a lot of history there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've been lobstering for a while, but, uh, in the last few years, you've taken up another, nautical endeavor i i could say maybe uh with the oyster industry can you talk yeah. about that how that kind of all got started and what inspired you to go in that direction as well yeah um so um like i said i love working on the water and kind of loved marine biology and just kind of like was interested in aquaculture and one winter i decided to take a class at the island institute here in rockland maine um, and I really loved it. I really loved it a lot. Um, so I, we went out and we visited a bunch of different farms and they took us out on the water and, um, you know, we learned a little bit about it and I decided to start volunteering, um, here at a local farm. And I would do that like every Sunday for a while on my days off from lobstering. What farm was that? You can't lobster on Sundays. It was um, it was Aphrodite's oysters. Um, and another funny story actually was the guy who started the farm. He did it kind of just like as a hobby. Um, was my uh high school science teacher. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just called him up and I was like, hey, I'm, ta- I'm taking this aquaculture course and I know you have a little oyster farm. Can I volunteer? I just want to learn and do some hands-on stuff. And he was like, yeah, of course. And um, so he originally had the name of the farm as Aphrodite's Oysters. Um, and he named it after the Greek goddess Aphrodite. 
Um, I absolutely loved the name. Mm. Um, so when he offered me first refusal on the oyster farm because he was, you know, going into retirement, um, I uh, jumped at the opportunity and just kind of like took the S off because, I mean, the name is just, I mean, it's not only catchy, mm. but um, I kind of contributed the name to like my love and passion for the ocean and um you it's know, aphrodisiac. It's, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. goes with it too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, yeah. So it what just does it, fit. <laughs> what does it take to get an oyster business up and running here in Maine? Um, it is uh, very time-consuming. Um, there's a lot of energy that goes into the farm after you get through all the paperwork and stuff that you would have to do. Um, it's a lot of regulation. And- for the state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of regulation. And with any, um, you know, industry that's kind of newish, there's, you know, tends to be more regulations that come on down the line. So um, it, it is quite difficult to 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 get in and to start. And in my case, uh, my, the farm was transferred to me. Um, but I've, I've had to, you know, do some amendments to the farm and stuff like that. So there, the paperwork is a lot. And is there a like local or regional history of oysters being used as a, as a food source around the mid coast Maine? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know that, um, no, oysters have been around for a very long time, um, but now it's like the aquaculture um, industry is booming. You know, it's it's kind of it's always been around, but it's like the next big thing. I feel like people are really excited about it. There's a lot more um, farmers. Uh, people are not only doing oysters, but they're doing sea kelp. They're doing um, scallops. Mm. Which is really, really exciting. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's it's going to be a lot bigger um, soon in the next few years. You think people are getting more of a taste for oysters as well, and you know, seeing it as like a you know more of a, a treat or a delicacy? Oh, oh, totally. Yes, and oysters are so much fun because they're like all a different flavor i mean you can have like for example the damascata river has like 12 oyster farms in the river Mm. um and every single oyster tastes differently Mm. so it's really it's a really fun food to kind of um like experiment with and just kind of um you know just sample i guess so and getting more into that, can you talk about like the process and science behind growing and harvesting these oysters? Um, yeah. So, I mean, there is a science to it. Every farm is a little bit different. So um, every farmer, you know, has to come up with kind of like their own techniques. Um, um, and my, for my particular farm, I have three different locations. I have um, a seed site. I have a lease site where it, it's um, I'm growing my oysters, and then I have like a purge site. So um, a lot of farmers kind of have like their farm set up a little bit differently, or do things a little bit differently. Some are cage grown, some are um, bottom cultured. Um, we do both on my farm. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's really really fun and really interesting. So these different are these different stages of growth. They get to sh- you know shift them around to different spots. Is that what's happening? Yeah, I shift them. So I start them um, as um, seeds. Some farmers will kind of. Um, make their own seed their oysters will spawn not like a packet of seeds right this is yeah 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 i buy my seed um uh i just feel like that works better for me um i know i talked to the previous owner and he found that um it, it was quite difficult to to get his oysters to to spawn and the more he tried the more predators he just Mm -hmm. you know um kind of um came to the farm they're they're a snack for these fish and stuff around yeah 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 he he drew in a lot of green crabs so i was Mm -hmm. like well maybe i won't maybe i won't go there quite yet i mean that might be something in the future to kind of look into but for now we buy our seed and I uh, grow it out at three different locations. Um, I start my seed in a very warm location of the river um, and then transfer it to a colder area where they'll grow out until they reach harvest size. And then I purge my oysters for two weeks before I sell them. What does the purging process involve? Um, I just transfer them to a different location where they'll stay for a couple of weeks. Um, oysters are filter feeders, so um, the water is a lot colder, a lot cleaner. There's a lot of um, fresh tide that runs in there on a daily basis, so they're getting plenty of like nutrients, and that's where they kind of stay until I harvest them for people. Going back to the seeding for just a minute, I'm just trying to get a grasp of that. So there's someone that's, are they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Are they uh, breeding these oysters to get like different characteristics and qualities? And then like kind of sending you a bag of babies or, or the, the miniature versions of them? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that has been talked about. Um, there are some farms that are, you know, kind of, um, you know, doing their own research and, you know, playing around with um, different seed. Um, but the particular farm I buy my seed from um, has seed that is disease resistant, um, hence the reason I buy from them. Um, they've been around for a very long time, um, and they're pretty, pretty knowledgeable about what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And what makes our coastline here so unique and ideal to uh, produce oysters? Um, Maine is like the cleanest water that you would have anywhere in the world. That's why Maine seafood is so remarkably good. Um, So the Maine coast is perfect for um, oyster farms and oyster farmers to grow oysters. You kind of touched upon this earlier about like the the taste, but how do these oysters vary from one growing location to the other, even if it's like, you know, down the coast a couple miles or so. Yeah, it's based on the food that they eat, the nutrition that's in the water and, you know, things that they're, um, you know, able to grab as as the tide comes and goes. So it's um, it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting, yeah. So when you, you're growing these oysters, how many um, – how big are these farms and how many oysters are these are they producing and how long does that 
process take to take. get a batch? Yeah, I get that question a lot. Um, every farm is different. Uh, the warmer the water, the quicker the grow out. The colder the water, um, the longer it takes to grow an oyster. And my oysters are pretty in pretty cold water, um, but the cold water enables them to grow a really thick shell, really durable shell. Um, so they're like really good for shipping. Um, and I think that they they taste better. You know, the water, uh, an oyster that's been in the water for a longer amount of time has been brining for a longer amount of time. So they, they're usually tastier the longer they, they sit in the water. So that's a little yeah. different than lobsters. Sometimes older mm-hmm. lobsters are kind of like tougher and not as flavorful as the younger lobsters. Oh, totally. <laughs> yes. Very different. <laughs> um, so for someone that's never eaten an oyster before can you kind of describe what they're in for when they when they have one yeah yeah um people i've found like either really love oysters or they're kind of squeamish about them um i think it's a texture thing um a lot of people say that uh they just don't like the feel of the oyster because it's kind of like squishy Mm. or it's kind of chewy um it is is kind of a different experience, but everyone should definitely try at least once. It's kind of it's kind of like kissing the ocean. Um, that briny, yeah, on your, your tongue. Yeah, yeah. Ours, our oysters are uh, pretty briny, but they also kind of have like a sweet aftertaste too. So they're really they're actually they're perfect for like a first time um, oyster trier. Do you find pearls in these oysters ever? I have, yeah. yeah. We had a restaurant contact us that got really excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of their uh, customers that came in and ate there uh, found an oyster. It was a very small oyster, um, but, I mean, pearl, sorry, a very small (laughs) pearl, um, but it was... Yeah, it was pretty exciting for us to hear like that. A little prize as long uh, as well as having a meal at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what are some different ways that the oysters are, are prepared? Is it different regionally too? Um, yeah, I mean, there are so many things that you can do with with oysters. I mean, most areas I think um, ser- serve them right on the half shell. They shuck them and serve them with some kind of sauce. Um, uh. I mean, but I mean, there's so you can cook with them. You can throw them in pasta. You can uh, make, you know, poor poor boy sandwiches. Um, you know, is I've done all kinds of different things. You know, just trying to sample them in different ways. Do you have um, a favorite way? Um, I love them right on the half shell. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from Maine. I mean, like, who doesn't love like fried food? Fried yeah. oysters are <laughs> delicious. Like, they're working, just kind of shuck them as you as you go and like have a little snack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we very we've done that very much. My husband does it all the time. <laughs> do you do anything with the shells? Or do these go back into the the water? Yeah, no. We save the shells. We like to recycle. Um, we crush them up and you know dump them back into the water. Um, so the oysters that do grow, um, that do spawn, uh, have something to attach to. Um, so it, yeah, definitely trying to, um, create a very healthy environment for, for the oysters to thrive in and, um, breaking up the shells and dumping them back, uh, really helps them to, to do that, to grow. So are they kind of in an enclosure, is that what it is that they, where they're growing? 
in the water? Um, they're in a certain area are, are where our lease site is. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, how can they acquire your product? Um, I sell to a lot of uh, seafood markets around here locally, uh, Jess's Market, um, uh, quite a few restaurants in the area. Uh, Primo's is one of them, Craig Near Inn. Um, we sell to uh, a couple of distributors, so they're shipping our oysters outside of Maine, which is really exciting for us. Um, and we just got our distributor's license as well. So we've been uh, selling oysters from our home in South Thomaston. Uh, people can look us up on Google and it should bring them right to our house. We are getting our sign worked on, so there's not a sign there yeah. right now. Um, but there is a big welcome sign on the door, so people can't miss us. Do you ever do any crossover with your lobsters and to kind of sell them together or is that kind of separate? I do. Yeah, I know. A lot of people uh, come to me for live lobster and they love having oysters as like an appetizer and uh, lobster as like a, their dinner. So yeah. have you created like a friendship with other oyster producers around the area as well? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of them. Um, I love the oyster community. Everyone's really friendly. Um and everyone is really excited about what they're doing. So that makes it um, that much more fun. And what is your future vision for the company, kind of where you're headed, you know, the short term and maybe like your your dream goal or aspiration? Um, I, I would love to grow the farm. Um, we are thinking about doing uh, eight to 10 acres. Um, we're right now I'm pregnant, <laughs> so we're waiting <laughs> a little, time off. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting a little bit before we do that. And there's a lot of things going on in the lobster industry right now. So we're kind of waiting to see, um, where that all goes, uh, before we make any big decisions. Um, but we absolutely love oyster farming. Um, uh, you know, something new to, to learn and do, and we've done a pretty good job at it. So we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> That's excellent. And can you talk about, too, where you see aquaculture, like, heading in this area and as, as a whole? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, like I said before, um, there's a lot more people getting into oyster farming and seaweed farming and growing scallops. Uh, even in the nearby areas, I know several different farmers that have um, started doing this, and they're it's successful. So um, I think that it's wonderful. I think that anything that we can do to provide a you know a healthy, clean, sustainable seafood for people to eat is is great. And doing it while we're kind of sharing the ocean, everyone's you know sharing the oceans and its resources, um, and we're all able to make a living and you know create more food uh, food sources very so, good is yeah. there anything else you want our listeners to know or add to this um yeah uh, definitely um reach out to us on facebook we're on instagram um aphrodite oysters just look for the uh, purple heart oyster <laughs> yeah. i tell people um our oysters tend to be purplish uh white and green in color um so not only are they um really tasty but they have a really beautiful shell so reach okay. out anytime sounds good thank you so much krista for joining us and that's uh, krista trip of aphrodite oysters uh pick up some this summer and uh, have a nice tasty treat <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. We'll be taking a holiday break, but we'll be back again with new episodes in January. In the meantime, feel free to listen to some of our previous episodes from our first season. You can find The Weekly wherever fine podcasts are downloaded or visit one of our news websites. The Weekly is a collaboration between the Ellsworth American, Courier Gazette, Republican Journal, Camden Herald, and Mount Desert Islander, all powered by Village Soup. If you have a comment or suggestion for someone we should talk to, send us an email at theweekly at villagesoup.com. Until next time.